Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 1 this morning, please. Philippians chapter 1. I am so thankful that a mighty fortress is our God. And it is to him that we can flee when we struggle with the stuff of life. I love the church. I love the church because it's an assembly of born-again, blood-bought community of Christ. Those who have discovered God's love and who show God's love. Those who understand something about God's grace and live that out in their lives. Those who have experienced the mercy of God, the compassion of God, and have been directed to go into the world and share that with those who are struggling with life. I love the church because it's a place to live out the gospel. We're sinners who are saved. We're hopeless. Discover hope. Where the lost have been found and where the light shines in spite of the darkness. For God's people recognize the wonder of God in their lives. I'm reading a book by John Piper. And as he addresses the gospel, he says this. The difference between Uncle Sam's army and the army of God is that Uncle Sam will not enlist you unless you're healthy. God will not enlist you unless you're sick. And that is the gospel, isn't it? where we recognize that this is not a help-wanted invitation from God, but it's a help-available invitation from God. And it is true that the gospel of Jesus Christ changes everything in our lives. I think it's important that we understand what the gospel's all about. Now, I don't know what you use to share the gospel with those around you, but there's something that you identify, that I identify as the Romans road. And this morning, very quickly, I want to take you down that road so you have an understanding of what the scripture says about the gospel. Romans chapter 10 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it is only the word of God that can transform our lives. So we must recognize that it's the word of God that gives to us an understanding of the gospel. We start in Romans 3.23 where the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. Someone once said, the ground is always level at the cross. Because we come there recognizing that none of us are good enough to be the people that God requires of us. Romans 3 also says, there's none holy, no not one. And we are all sinners lost who need to discover the love of God. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know there's a real contrast between death and life. There's a real contrast between wages and gift. And you and I, because we are sinners, because all have sinned, because there is none righteous, because none of us are holy before God, have a price to pay. 
And we've earned that because of our sin, and that price is death. The Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die, and after that the judgment. But I am so thankful that we can discover relief from the judgment of God through the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And why is that such a wonderful thing? Romans chapter 5 says that God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world, John 3, that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's love transcends God's judgment as he sent his Son to be our Savior. Now, how do you discover that love? Romans chapter 10 says... That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll know God's love. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You want God's gift? Receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior. That's the gospel. And you and I have that simple Word of good news to share with those who are around us. I get excited when I hear about folks sharing the gospel. Cassie Snowball, over the last three years, I believe, has been involved in a child evangelism fellowship activity called CYIA, Christian Youth in Action. And she has been trained to go into communities, backyard clubs, and share the gospel. Just a week ago, she was part of a backyard club here in Battle Creek. And their presentation deals with stories, it deals with song, it deals with crafts. And I want to show a clip this morning that helps us understand the gospel as Cassie is, is teaching the kids a song. Can we see that now, Brenda, please? Jesus is the only way. And the end of the road, the road.
Romans road is this. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Peter said it this way in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 4. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the only way. I love the church because we as assembled believers have the gospel, the good news that we can share with those who are around us. Paul writes a book to a group of believers in Philippi. He thanks them for a gift that they had sent him. But he encourages them in the gospel. Now let me give you just a little bit of background to this book. If you look at this map, please, you will discover that Paul finds himself in Troas. And as he is in Troas, he wants to continue his ministry in Asia. But he receives a message from the Spirit that says, come over to Macedonia and help us. Come to Europe and spread the gospel. And so he makes his way into Europe and finds himself in Philippi. Acts chapter 16 gives to us the background for this journey. It's his third missionary journey. And we recognize that Philippi was indeed a leading city of the district of Macedonia. It was a Roman colony. And the first convert that we read about in Philippi was Lydia, a seller of purple. Now, not everything went well for Paul because he was followed by a slave girl who was a fortune teller. And because of her ability to tell fortunes, her masters had made a great deal of money off of her, and she followed Paul and Silas and and said that these were servants of the Most High. Paul didn't like all of that attention. And so he cast the demon out of the slave girl. And her handlers lost their source of income. They were taken to the magistrates. They were beaten. They were thrown in prison. And at midnight in Acts chapter 16, we find that Paul and Silas were singing praises to God for what he had done in their lives. Can you imagine? How could they do that? They did it because of the gospel. The good news that they had been able to share. And the scripture tells us that there was an earthquake and the jail doors were thrown open and the jailer was ready to kill himself. And Paul said, don't do that, we're all here. And that was evidence of the gospel. And the jailer of his family came to know Christ as personal Savior. Paul now writes back to this group of believers. And he shares with them the wonder of the gospel. If you look at the book of Philippians, the word gospel is used some nine times throughout the book. And here in chapter 1, the gospel is used six times. Let me read for you beginning with verse 13, and I'm going to read down through verse 16, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 27. 
You follow along in your copy of the scriptures, please. Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all and the affection of Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellence and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that if it became known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ and most of all the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry but others from goodwill the latter do it out of love knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Verse 27, please. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may bear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. This morning I want to share with you five ways that the gospel affects our lives. The first is found in verse 5 of our text. Here Paul writes, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The word partnership may be translated in your copy of the scriptures as fellowship. It's the word konania. And it has the idea of bringing us together as we participate in the same activity. Now, there are a couple of things about Konania that we must understand. First of all, Konania represents a common bond together. I read an email this morning from one of my colleagues here in Battle Creek. He and I have a common bond together. We have a special fellowship because we have both been called vocationally to serve the Lord as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as pastors of local assemblies of believers. The scripture says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Unless they have a common bond. We are to be of one spirit, of one mind, of one faith, of one gospel. And you and I have that common bond together, that konania, that partnership, that fellowship in the gospel. 
But not only is it a common bond, it's a commitment to a common goal. And the gospel gives to us our goal. Certainly we are to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. But we could also define our common goal by the great commandment and the great commission. The great commandment, our common goal, because of the gospel in our lives, is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. That's the great commandment. And you and I have a special partnership together, a special fellowship together, a special konania together. Because our goal is to love God with everything that we have, heart, soul, and mind. And by the way, to love our neighbor as ourselves. We also have the Great Commission, where we are to go, go and make Christ-like disciples. Jesus said, all authority, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go you, therefore, and teach all nations, disciple all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. You know, you can't teach somebody to observe all these things unless you're observing all those things. Someone once said, what you do speaks so loudly that I cannot hear what you say. And our fellowship, our konani, our partnership is because of the common bond we have together in the gospel and our commitment to that common goal, the great commandment, the great commission to represent Jesus Christ in a lost and dying world. You see, we are indeed partners in the gospel. But not only are we partners in the gospel, jump down to verse 7, will you please? Here Paul says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Now we'll get to the defense of the gospel a little bit later. But I want you to focus on the confirmation of the gospel. And will you draw a line from grace to confirmation? Living out grace in your life, living out grace in my life, confirms the gospel. You know, the gospel came to us by grace. Titus 2.11, for the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men. Ephesians 2.8.9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that out of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so the gospel is a result of God giving to you and giving to me what we do not deserve. That's grace. But because of that gospel... You and I are to confirm it by living out grace. Charles Swindoll has written an interesting book. It's entitled Grace Awakening. And in that book he says, love which is upward is worship. Don't you love worship? Isn't it great to be lifted up and to focus our attention on the wonder of our God? 
to share in each other's lives and, and recognize who our God is. He goes on to say that love that is outward is affection. We love, we share, we minister to as we reach outward to those who are around us. But then he says, love that stoops down is grace. Aren't you thankful that God stooped down as he sent his son to be our savior? And it is that grace that is confirmed in our hearts. Now, what, what does that do to our, our lives? First of all, it gives us an appreciation for God's gifts to us and to others. Next week, we're going to look into 1 Peter chapter 4. And we will discover that we have been given gifts because God requires us to be good stewards of his grace. It also allows us to affirm others, to edify them, to build them up. That's grace. Ephesians chapter 4 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. I wish that my mind engaged before my tongue. There are so many times that I say something that is not near as gracious as it should be. It's not foul. It's not obscene. But it is corrupted because I have not applied grace to that situation. I've not used that to, to build somebody up. I need with the psalmist to remember that my goal is to let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to my God because he is my strength and my redeemer. That's Psalm 19. Grace also gives us an affection. We become more tolerant, less judgmental when we live out grace not an easy thing to do but do you know how tolerant God has been of you do I remember how tolerant God has been of me it's grace when Paul reminds us that we are to be kind one to another tender-hearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven me hath forgiven you When you go through difficult times in your lives, when you see those around you hurt and struggle, when you fear what the circumstances of life are doing to those that you love, the consequences that they're going to have to face, it's real easy. to not exhibit grace. 
Connie and I have been through that in the past two weeks. But if I am going to confirm the gospel in my life, I must be reminded that I am a partaker of grace. And that is to be lived out from my life. It also is a giant step toward maturity, growth, adulthood. Peter says, but grow in grace (laughs) and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, it is true that believing in grace is one thing, living it out is another. (laughs) But it is the living out of grace that confirms that the gospel has taken root in our lives. Paul also reminds the believers that the gospel is to be advanced. Verse 12 says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now, what had happened to Paul? Paul was in prison. Paul was not able to do what he he wanted to do. Paul was locked down by COVID-19. Not really. But you and I understand that, don't we? We're not able to do what we want to do. We're not only able to share the way we want to share. We're not feeling it. But I ask you, how has your circumstances helped you advance the gospel? Paul's did. Take some time this afternoon and read Acts chapter 21 through Acts chapter 28. Paul was arrested in Jerusalem for preaching in the temple. He was ready to be beaten. In fact, the text says that he was stretched out for the whips. He then asks the question, is it lawful to flog a Roman citizen? That changed it all, didn't it? He went to Felix. He appeals to Caesar. He comes before Agrippa, and Agrippa says that you almost persuade me to be a Christian, and if you'd not appealed to Caesar, you could have been set free. But he was sent to Rome. He was caught in a storm. He was shipwrecked on Malta. And he finally gets to Rome and Paul is writing this epistle from a Roman cell and he says that which has happened to me has it has served to advance the gospel it's not that bad things do not happen to good people But when bad things do happen to good people, it serves as an opportunity to advance the gospel. And Paul just did that. James chapter 5 says, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and we all know what he went through, don't we? 
And you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. May I remind you that Job suffered through no fault of his own? Satan went before God. He was there with the sons of men, and God said, you consider Job. I'll bet Job wished that God had never mentioned his name. And you read the book of Job, and and Job even gets to the place that he struggles to discover God in the midst of his circumstances. His friends come around and and blame Job. And and they say, Job, it's got to be because you're sinning. And Job looked around, he couldn't see God. Where'd God go? And Job's testimony is this. Even when I can't see God, God knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. Why? To advance the wonder of God in my life. The gospel. I love the church. Because no matter what's going on, no matter what people are dealing with, it gives you, it gives me an opportunity to advance the gospel. And to allow the gospel to affect our lives. Jump down to verse 16, will you please? If you have a King James Version The word gospel is used in verse 17, so you'll have to add that. The latter do it out of love. Paul is talking about preaching Christ. Knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The word defense is an interesting word. It's the word apologia. It has the idea of an apologetic or an answer. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to everyone that asks you a reason that hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Do you have an answer? When people ask you about how you're handling the situation, we sang about some of that answer this morning because we recognize that our God is a mighty fortress. And that he can be trusted to work in our lives. The defense of the gospel is an apologetic, an answer to those who ask questions. And let me tell you something. As you and I live in this world, we are going to live as new creatures in Christ Jesus because of the gospel, right? And people are going to notice And they're going to ask, how are you defending your lifestyle? And you can answer, because of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 4 says, let your speech always be seasoned with grace. Let it all be gracious so that you may know how to answer Every person. The gospel is a defense. Very quickly, jump down to verse 27, will you please? 
Here Paul writes to these dear believers in Philippi, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. The gospel needs to be lived out in a worthy manner. You could translate this this text. Behave as citizens worthy of the gospel. I love the United States of America. Some years ago, there was a phrase that was used, America, love it or leave it. And over the last number of years, there have been a number of prominent people that have made statements that said, if this or that happens, I'm going to leave. Do you see any of them leaving? Why not? Because the United States of America, as imperfect as it is, as troubled as it is, is the best place on planet Earth to live. I can tell you a better place that I'm going to live one day. And that's glory. That's heaven. When someone passes away, we use the phrase, I use the phrase, they've been promoted to glory. It is a promotion. And if we are going to live out the gospel, we need to behave as citizens Worthy of the gospel because this world is not our home. You see, it's all built around the good news, isn't it? When the world sees our partnership, our fellowship, our koinonia, they ought to be drawn to the gospel. When they see God's grace being worked out in in our lives, it ought to teach them about the gospel. When we desire, regardless of our circumstances, we can indeed advance the gospel. We do have answers. Apologetic to defend the gospel. And if it's not important to us, and it doesn't work for us, unbelievers will have no reason to believe nor receive the gospel. And what does Paul say at the end of verse 27? Standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith in the gospel. I love the church. Oh, I love the church. And I love the church because it's a place that born-again, blood-bought people of God live out the gospel from their lives. May I remind you that we are connected to the gospel? 
that we need to be committed to the gospel. And you and I are called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ.